Praise the Lord. You can take your seat. May God bless you this morning. Now, before we go to, I just thought about it. I want to take you on a little path into the book of Colossians. If you have your Bible, I want you to open it up this morning in Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. I thought, if you haven't got a Bible here this morning, that I can quickly, if you bear with me, open up a... open up the Bible for you and I'll drag it over there for you so that we can actually then see. I want everybody to see this verse. Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2 and we're going to look at verse 8. I know it's Eugene's favorite verse. So Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 and I'll just unfortunately it says there in Ephesians chapter 2, and I'm, I'm actually going to read, just let, let's read from verse 1 to put it into context. He says, and you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. He says that you and I were dead. You say, but wait a minute, my heart's beating, I can see, I can feel my breath. No, no, by sin you were dead, the Bible says. And he said, he, you, he made you alive who were dead, which you once walked according to the course of this world. Uh, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. There's three things, three things that will keep some people down. It's the cause of the world, it's the devil, the prince of the power of the air, and the third one is the flesh. It's right there in Ephesians chapter 2. He says in verse 3, Among also once conducted yourselves in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as others. So you look into the world, you say, how do one person stand out amongst another person? Is it because they are brilliant? Because they are doctors? Is it because they are good sports people? The Bible classifies them all the same. All the same. In God's eyes, if you do not come to the cross, if you are not saved by the grace of God, everybody is the same. You can have an IQ of 169 or you can have an IQ of 40. It's all the same. And there you were thinking that you're this brilliant person and the whole world centers around you. No. If you have got that IQ, if you are that brilliant pitcher or if you, if you scored so many tries, if you kicked so many goals, it doesn't make you any much better than the person next to you. According to the world, yes, but according to God, you are lost, you're dead. Go and tell that to that person. They'll ridicule you. Who are you to say that that famous person is not, not important? Before God, there's no importance but the blood of Christ. That is the importance, right. Okay, so he says it there. He says that we were children of wrath just as others. That's in verse 3. I wonder if it's up there. Yes, he says it right there. Even as others, right there. Now he uses the word but there in verse 4. You see that? What does the word but mean in the Bible? It means it's a sharp contrast. It's a sharp contrast. It was so but sharp contrast so. It's lovely to see these things in the Word of God. He says it, but God. Isn't it wonderful? Not but you, not but man, but who? But God. That comes from a different perspective. It's not human perspective. He says, but God, who is rich in mercy. Now, let's compare that to the man of wrath. Is he rich in mercy? No. This world will show you no mercy. No mercy at all. No. 
But mercy comes from God. He's full of mercy because of His great love, which He loved us. Is the world full of love? Oh, they say so, but it's not. You see, this is a different... Let, let me just get this landing into this. I think it's important that us just break open the bread a bit here. Look at that verse there in verse 4. He says, But God is rich in mercy for His great love which He loved us. What tense is that? Present tense. Yes? Is the love of God with us right now? Yes, it is. He loves us every day. And let me just say it to you. If you're a child of God washed by the blood of the Lamb, nothing you will do will change the love of the Father for you. Did you just hear what I said? Nothing what you do will change the love of the Father towards you. I've got children, and they disappoint me when, when they grow up. They do naughty things, don't they? Did that change your love for them? No. Did you punish them? Yes. That's the same with God. But look at this now. He says it there. He says, for His great love, present things, which He, what things is that? Loved. Can you see that? What things is that? Come on. Everybody, it's past things. What does that mean? What does it mean? I'll tell you what it means. Because we are standing here today, where? On the other side of the cross. Our reference point standing here points what? Back to the cross. When you were in the Old Testament, your reference point was towards the cross. They were looking forward to the cross, the promise to come. For us, the promise has come. It's in your Bible. It's there. So here he says it's a present love, but he loved us pointing back towards the cross. If you want to find a show of the love of Christ, it is the cross of Christ. Let me say it this morning. Let me just say it quickly. That the cross of Christ is the centerpiece of our preaching. It is Him and Him crucified. Paul says that to the church in, in Corinth. He says, I do not want to know anything else but what? The cross of Christ and Him crucified. That's what I want to hear. That is what he says. Isn't it lovely? So here you sit this morning and you say, but preacher, how? Where is the tangible evidence for me to hold on to? Where, how can I see the love of God? I, I want to touch the love of God. The love of God is in your word, my friends. It talks about the cross of Christ when Jesus Christ went and He hung on the cross. But you see the thing is, for some of us, when we get married, when we go into a relationship, we always can talk about that first initial stage of love, can't we? Oh, it was so lovely. He courted me and he came around. He spent some time with me. Oh, and then he touched my hand. Oh, that made me so feel so good. And then he brought me some flowers. And oh, that was so fantastic. And he opened up the door for me to get into the car. And when we stopped at the place, he said, no, 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 don't touch the door. He jumped out. He ran around. He opened up the door and he courted me like that. It was so fantastic. But today, 30 years later... <laughs> you pull up and what happens you go can't you get the door <laughs> where's the love gone oh, well it's still there you see God doesn't work in that way with us 
He works differently with us. It, it's right there. He lo- his life is present. L- let me say, let me say to you, the way that He loved you when we, you were unformed, when you were in Psalm 139, unformed in your mother's womb. And, and let me go a little bit further back, because you see, that's not where it started with God with you. It started with God for you before that. Before you were conceived, God already knew about you. These, l- listen to me, listen. These concepts will blow your mind. You, you go, what? You want to tell me I'm not evolved from a monkey? Yeah, you did not. You ain't no monkey bean. No, no, you listen to me. Before you were conceived, God already knew about you. Your life has already played off before God. Finish and end. Finish and end. Now, 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 this is important for you to know because if you understand this, you will understand how important you are in God's eyes. Whereas, whereas the world, whereas your family, or whereas anybody else would look at you and they go, there ain't nothing in him, there ain't nothing in her. But for God, every single person on the face of the earth is important to God. That is why He sent His Son to this world. That is why Jesus came and died on the cross, because you are important for Him. You see, the thing is, dear friend, He knows you better than you know yourself. He knows the best for you. And by the way, I just decided we're going to just, I'm not going to go back to the presentation. I'm just going to preach this out, okay? Because I believe the Spirit of God might talk to somebody. Understand that He loves us in a world where love is made cheap. Love is made cheap today. Broken relationships, they can't even hold on to that. Uh, Let me tell you this, we're living in a society today where we've got Facebook, we've got Instagram, we've got phones, we've got emails... You, you go back 20 years ago, you go back 30 years ago, you ain't had anything of that stuff. I mean, the phone that I was walking around was a flip phone, and it was heavy like a brick, and you couldn't even text on it. And that to us was, but these days people jump onto you. But let me tell you this, in a world where communication means and technology is the best that you've ever had, we've got a people who's the loneliest in their lives. In their lives. For some people, it's just a matter of opening it up and see how many likes I've got. And if they didn't get enough likes, they will commit suicide. Let's face it. That's the world that we've created. That's the world that mankind's created out of this love effect that we think we've got. But there is no more love in the world. The only love that I can show you today is the love of the Father. And he comes back to this verse. He says, but God... But God who is rich in mercy. Let me tell you, friend, after we've lost it, we need mercy. Who knows that? We need mercy. And what is mercy? Mercy is not getting what you deserved. What did you deserve? We deserve death. Because of our father, Adam. You want to talk about races? There's only one race. It's Adam's race. And then, like, like uh, uh, Andre said, he, he picked a peculiar people and he begotten them. 
and he is right, he's absolutely right, this nation that he poured his love into is to show a godless people, the Gentiles, how, how a holy people can, can approach, let, let, me, let me correct myself, how a fallen people can approach a holy God. That is what it's about. So let's see this now. He says, for his great love, which he loved us pointing towards the cross, even when we were dead in sins. Dead in sins. Romans chapter 5. Let me read to you. If you've got a Bible, you can go there. In fact, let's do this. Is everybody patient with me to play around with this? Because I can only see there. Let me see if I can quickly get you everybody into Romans and we'll come back to this passage. We'll go Romans chapter 5. Here we go. Now, look at this passage here now. He says in Romans chapter 5 verse 8. Look at verse 8. I'm going to try to pull it down here. Amen. Of course, you're still with me there. You're still patient with me. <laughs> I'm just trying to work it out here. Okay, look at verse 8. He says, but God commends His love. See that? What tense is that? Present tense. God commends His love towards us. Towards whom? Towards us. In that while we were yet sinners, who died for us? Christ died for us. Go back. Go back to Ephesians, what I showed you. The present love, and then he said, love, past tense. Here it is. You know, Paul is wonderful in all his writings. Like Andre and I have read the Bible, and I tell you what, you pick it up in each and every letter of Paul. If you study the letters, you can see the similarities in it. There's only one message for Paul. And what is that? Jesus Christ and Him crucified. For who? For who? Let me tell you for who it is. It's for you and for me. But before we just look into this place, it's for every single person who drives past this place. It's for every single person at your workplace. It is for every, listen to me clearly, it's for every single person who's sitting in a jail today. It's for them, it's for you and for me. We were all the same. Remember what I said. In God's eyes, it's not the guy who kicked the most goals. He, it's not the guy with the 169 IQ. We're all the same until when we come to the cross of Christ. And how does He pull us to the cross? I'm going to show that to you. That's where I was going to go in Ephesians. It's by His grace and His mercy and His Holy Spirit that calls and pulls you to the cross. It's not by your own efforts. And I thank God for that. I thank God for that. Because it, it would have been easy if it was with our efforts. Why? Because God could have said, everybody who's got an IQ of 100 and over will be saved. That'll be an easy cutoff, wouldn't it be? We'll say some is goats and some is sheep. The goats is everybody under, let's call it under, uh, under 120 IQ. Where will you fall? God doesn't work that way. He says it right here. He says, but God commends His love towards us that while we were yet sinners, cried out, much more than being now justified by His blood, we shall be saved from the wrath through Him. I'd love to preach through Romans and preach that much more to you. Let's go back to Ephesians. Ephesians. Who knows their Bibles? Am I right there? Ephesians chapter 2. I haven't done this before. This is the first time. It's a new for me as well. So we are now 
Now, look, he says it right there. He says, even when we were dead in sins, we just saw in Romans chapter 5, he says, but while we were yet sinners, in fact, a few verses before that, he said, when you were without strength, Christ died for you. How wonderful is that one, eh? How wonderful is it that when, you know, when we were without strength, he died for us. Now, he says, has made us alive together with Christ. By grace you are saved. And has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenlies with Christ Jesus. That is so wonderful, friends, if you understand what's going on there. Now, I want you to see, this is where I'm getting to. That in the ages to come, verse 7, He might show the exceedingly riches of His grace in His kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Now look at verse 8. He says, for by grace you have been, you are saved. For by grace. What is grace? Mercy is not getting what we deserve. That was death. Grace is not deserving what you got. See the difference? Mercy, we deserve death because we were sinful. Grace, we didn't deserve life. So that's why mercy and grace is so important. But this is the important part now. He says it right there. He says we were saved, by, for by grace you were saved through what? Through faith. Through faith. Whose faith is that? Is that your faith or is it God's faith? Oh, but I've got so much faith. You ain't got nothing. Oh, but I know this Christian, he's got so much faith. Yeah, he ain't got nothing. I can pray for a mountain and the mountain can pick it up and throw it into the ocean. He ain't got nothing. Why? Because your premise is wrong. You ain't got nothing. God's got everything. That there, let, listen to me, listen. This will open it up for you. That there, he says, for by grace you were saved through faith. That faith, my dear friend, is the faith, listen, that God places in your heart. When? When you come to the cross. When you come to the cross. It's His faith. He puts faith in you. I can tell you my testimony, similar to Andre's. You, you know, so many times when I hear people testify about that, first of all, I listen for repentance. I listen for repentance. I repent towards God. Oh, but wait a minute, it was Adam who did it. It's not me, it was his fault. Then you do the same as Andre said, you're blaming Eve. He blamed Eve. He says, Lord, but it's the woman you gave me. First he blamed God for giving the woman... Then he blamed the woman. Isn't that what we always do, isn't it? It's not my fault, it's the woman who caused me to do that. But we're in the blame game. First you come to God and you repent, you fall on your knees and you cry out to God and you say, Lord, I am a sinner. But how did you get there? The Holy Spirit drawn you unto Him. How could that happen? It could be by a song, it could be somebody testifying. And listen, we're gonna, now we're going to preach the sermon which I was going to preach today next week, which is about Gnosticism, and it will make sense what I'm saying today. It could be for some people an audible voice at that point in time. 
but does God still speak through audible voices these days? Yes, he could use that, but that's not his way of talking. His way of talking is through the word. Okay? But we'll address that next week. Now, now this is it. The Holy Spirit, it might be through a song. It might be through a sermon you hear. It might be through an invitation by somebody inviting you to church. Let let me go. Was it your choice? The Holy Spirit pulled you. But once you get in there, the Spirit of God is so powerful, He starts working on you. Friends, I was sitting in the back of a church. I was invited by my beautiful wife today. I said to her, no, tradition says the, the, the wife go to the man's church. Yeah, yeah the man's church. You know, it's the man. He's, he's the man. You come where the man goes. Isn't that how we were brought up? But she invited me and I said, yeah, let's go. And I went into the church and I sat at the back. The first time, first time I went into a happy clappy church. And I sat there at the back. Why was I there? I was there because I was invited. I was so in love with this girl, man. And I'll just go. And, but I was sitting at the back because I wanted to run. These guys are not going to grab me, you know. Pull me like a crocodile to the water and say, you know, we got to baptize. You know, it ain't going to happen with this guy. So I was sitting right at the back there. And you know one amazing thing that happened that day? That I didn't even know that pastor at all. That's the first time I saw him that night. He started preaching, and I sat there, and it felt as if the whole church, because they all were sitting in front of me, had eyes in the back of their heads looking at me. Ever, ever felt like that? But the next thing that happened that really got me is every single word that he preached out felt as if he was talking about me. And I sat there, and I thought, honestly... This beautiful girl trapped me because she told him everything, everything about me. But how would she know? How would she know? He preached every single thing. It was as if he knew me. It was as if he was some of these little cameras you get these days and watched every move of me. No, he didn't point at me. He was preaching a sermon. And you know what happened, dear friends, as the Bible says. It says it there in John chapter 14. He says that the chapter 16, he says, the Holy Spirit will teach you about what? About Christ. And you know what he did? It convicted me. It says the Holy Spirit will convict you. I was sitting there and thought, who in the world told him? I walked out of there that night. I didn't run. I walked out of there and I was confused. I was absolutely, con- but I was still in love though, praise the Lord. I was, but I was confused. I wanted to go back. And you know when I went, I wanted to go back to a prayer meeting. And in those prayer meetings, let me tell you one thing, they pray out loud. I didn't know what to do. I just liked and hopefully, you know, nothing. But it, before the prayer meeting, again, another person came and he started talking. And I didn't even know, I was introducing to an old pastor. Peter Sneeman. And he, he just gave a 15-minute word. It's the first time ever in my life I saw him. And you know what? I thought that that pastor who heard something from my girlfriend told this man because that night he was talking stuff which I went, how did he know? And that is it, dear friends. The Holy Spirit pulled me in. And you know what? It came to a point when I had to realize if I look at the Holy God and I look at myself, I'm empty. I'm a dirty, written sinner like it says. But you see, it says it there, but God, 
who is rich in mercy for His great love which He loved us. He loved me at the cross. I didn't know about the cross. I mean, the church that I was in was a dead church as well. And it wasn't about the cross. It wasn't more about, you know, it was all about church life and deeper life and all of this stuff. But here I was introduced to the cross where I could find where He loved me. Friends, that is what He placed in us, the faith. And that not of ourselves. You see, that qualifies it. That's not of ourselves. The faith and the grace is not of ourselves. It is a gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. I can't stand and boast in front of you. So God placed inside of you this faith. Okay? So what do you do with the faith? What do you do with faith? You operate in it. Isn't it true? There you are, building a nice little sailboat. Day after day, you spend time open on it. You look at it, you've got the planks, you, you skin the planks, you put them all together according to the plan. You put in, you know, make it waterproof. You get the mast, you get the sails, everything is perfect. Then you put it in the water. Now why did you build the boat? To just put it in the water and stand it and go, whoo! Jeez, look what I've done. Oh, that's great. Now, why do you build that little sailboat? You want to take it out in the water, isn't it? You want to see how the land looks from in there. So now a, a little wind comes up and you go, that's why I built that sailboat. Why? I'm going to sail in the wind. But now you put your faith that you've built this thing in. You step in it, you put the sails up and you push it out into the ocean. Friends, God didn't give you that faith to just sit there in the harbor. No, no. You and I, each one has got a responsibility for what is placed in us. What do you do with that faith? You operate in that faith. You operate in it. Now, faith means that if the storms of life comes, what happens at work, what happens wherever, and you look at these things and you, your knees start shaking and you go, I don't know what's going to come on tomorrow. You know what you've got? You've got faith. That's how you operate in faith. You are calm, you collect it, and look, I preach to myself, because we're living in a changing world. Let the world fall apart around you, but trust in the faith of God that He placed inside of you. It's His faith that He put in there. That's one thing you do with faith. What is the second thing you do with faith? You grow faith. You grow it. Have you ever heard that? Did you just think it's going to be like a little plant? You plant the seed. Oh, but wait a minute. Wait a minute, Pastor. You know that parable that talks about the mustard seed? You know, the mustard seed is the smallest of all, but no, no, wait a minute. How do you grow? Even the mustard seed needs to be nurtured to grow, isn't it? Into a herb. Into a herb which gives taste. How do you grow? How do you grow, you ask? Let me quickly show you. Um, Romans. We'll finish up with this verse. It's short service today. Praise God. Let's see if I can bring this up for you. Where's Romans? Stop me there, Eugene, if I'm too far. Down? There we go. Romans, and we're going to chapter 10 now. If you've got your Bible, please follow there and open up there. How do you then build faith? I'm going to start from verse 15. In fact, you know, I don't like to parachute into passages, as you know, but I'm just going to start for time's sake now at verse 15. So, I've showed you now that God gives you faith. It's His faith that He plants inside of you. But you know the Bible says in, in, in Corinthians, says you've got faith. 
Some has got more faith than others. Yes, it's true. It's true. It's a gift of God. God gives you faith. But you know what? Faith needs to grow. Let's see how it grows. Look at verse 15. Let me just scroll it down a little bit more here. Verse 15. And how shall they preach unless they are sent? This now talks about... Okay, let's read from verse 15. No, no, 13. He goes... Verse 13, he says, For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen? He says it right there. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Where, where am I? Verse 13. Whoever wants the name of the Lord shall be saved. Verse 14. How then shall they call on Him in whom they have not believed? That was you and me. That's what I just explained to you. That's what Andre testified. And how shall they believe in Him whom they have not heard? How shall they hear without a preacher? That's in verse 14. How shall they hear without preaching? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? Let me just say something here. Let me just throw this in. Being a preacher is not a job that you can apply for. Oh, I'm going to go to university, and I'm going to become a pastor. I'm going to become a preacher. And then you go into studies for three years, and you come out. And what do they teach you? I mean, you know that Bible. It's head knowledge just like that. But friends, there's only one way, and that is when God sends you. When God sends you. The problem today is people see Jesus as a product. The problem today is people see vulnerable people, Christians in churches who can give them money, and they now sell the product which is Jesus Christ to make money. Look, I'm not afraid. I'll say it as it is. They use the gospel to get rich. They were never seen so now they have to get gimmicks to get this thing going. Laughter and all of these funny things that's going on. To keep this thing going on. But if God sends you, what goes with you? God's blessing. The Holy Spirit. The anointing. The anointing is not something that you can pass over from one person to another. Oh, let me pass it over. You can't do that. God anoints and Him alone. And He sends. And this is important. He says... Whom if they are not sent? Verse 15 says now, And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, The Lord has believed our report. Then faith is of hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith cometh by... Hearing and hearing is by the Word of God. Word of God. Friends, I'm going to stop there today. I didn't plan to preach this way today. But I want to be open for how the Spirit of the Lord leads it. I've got a whole sermon for next week where we're going to look into Gnosticism. But what do I get out of today? Take heed, my friends. He loved you so much. The cross of Christ is the example and it's our evidence of that. But that's not where He stopped. He still loves you today. His love is there for you tomorrow morning when you wake up. New love to be experienced. Not only that, the day after. 
He loved you so much that He gave you His faith to live inside of you. His faith. The responsibility of you is now to grow that faith. Love, uh, faith cometh by hearing. That's how you grow it. You read the Word of God. There's two things there. The knowledge of Him and wisdom. Knowledge comes by studying the Word. Studying it, reading it. And you know what wisdom is? Is to apply what you've read to your life and live by that. Amen.